0: It's time for This Week in the Big East. A comprehensive look at the teams, coaches, players, and the story tradition of the Big East Conference. Here are your hosts, longtime conference play-by-play announcer John Rook and Big East author and sports writer Kevin McNamara. Welcome
1: to This Week in the Big East, our weekly look at the teams, coaches, players endless stories from the schools comprising the Big East conference. John Rook here with Providence Journal beat writer and author Kevin McNamara and maybe it's a surprise to you, maybe it isn't, but Villanova hasn't quite yet put the clinch on what would be a record-setting fourth straight regular season title. The defending conference and defending national champions hope to avenge one of their two league losses on the season this past Wednesday night, facing Butler at the Pavilion, where they had won 48 straight on their on-campus home floor. And then March Madness arrived a bit earlier than expected. Butler, 74, Villanova, 66. The Bulldogs find themselves just two games out of first place with three to play. And for the first time in their careers, Kevin, how about this, the Wildcat seniors lost a game at the pavilion. That's amazing.
2: It certainly is and uh, you know it's always tough to leave college with zero adversity and uh, that that's one that they'll carry with them because I'm sure that that stung. Got to give Butler a lot of credit John. Uh, obviously Villanova is one of the best teams in the country to sweep them and to come from behind at a place like the Pavilion really difficult. Uh, hats off to Keelan Martin. He had 22 points, eight rebounds. Kamar Baldwin had 15. Uh you know just a great win for Butler who's rebounded from a loss at Providence with three wins in a row. Villanova had not lost at home on the pavilion floor since
1: losing to Providence better than three years ago. That's an amazing streak, and I think before we lose complete sight of it, we need to give some credit where credit is due to those Villanova seniors.
2: There's no question. They've had an unbelievable run, will be remembered forever for their national championship, but their home court domination is something that you just won't see in a a competitive league like the Big East. It just doesn't happen. Uh, We know that they have a great, great home court advantage up there on the main line, but uh, this is a run that they'll remember for a long time.
1: Well, with Butler's win on Wednesday night, the battle for the number 2 spot might just be the Bulldogs to lose now with a game and a half up with two to play, if, of course, they don't manage to finish first themselves, because that's not over either, as we just mentioned. But that wasn't the only fantastic finish of the week. Providence got a three-point bomb from junior guard Kyron Cartwright with just more than two ticks left on the clock, and they won at Creighton 68-66 on Wednesday night. Additionally... (laughs) <laughs> Doesn't end there. Seton Hall held off Xavier at home, which means the Big East now Kevin has a legit seven of its ten teams right in the mix for
2: postseason play as we head down the stretch. Well, you said the key word there is legit, John. You know, all these te- all these teams around the country go to their conference tournaments and they say, well, if I can do this, I can do that. You know, we can be on the bubble. We can make the NCAs. There's going to be seven teams with legitimate NCAA tournament appearance hopes. Going to New York in a couple weeks, and uh, uh, you know, with a few more tweaks, a few more wins and losses, there could be six that are pretty assured. I mean, there's there's been that type of separation and really strong play here of late from Providence, Seton Hall, and Marquette, the three teams that needed to catch fire,
1: and they have caught fire. So, what do you think this does for the last uh, you know full week of the regular season, with all these teams now in that mix?
2: Well, what's interesting, John, is one of those teams is going to play on opening night, will be the seventh seed. Right. And no one wants to do that. You never want to have to play an extra game, no matter who your uh, opponent is on Wednesday. So the jockeying down the stretch is going to be big. Uh, If I had to handicap it right now, Marquette has the toughest uh, stretch here. They go at Providence, at Xavier, and home against Creighton. Where I would think the Friars probably have the easiest road with two home games, Marquette and DePaul, and then they wrap it up at St. John's.
1: So it's going to come right down to perhaps the very last game, last day of the regular season before we go to the tournament to learn the seedings and potentially
2: postseason hopes. There's no question. Uh, That Saturday is always an interesting day in the Big East. Everyone plays in the afternoon. Uh, kind of clear the decks and get ready for the trip to New York, but those will be some must-win games for some of those bubble teams.
1: We are going to talk about the, the present-day stuff as well as in our Biggie Spotlight, Greg McDermott from Creighton is going to join us, but we're also going to spend a little bit of time on this week's program dialing it back just a bit. As we've talked about on and off throughout the course uh, of our program this season, this is the 35th anniversary year of the Biggies Tournament being played at the world's most famous arena in Madison Square Garden in New York, and as part of this celebration, we've been taking glimpses back into time and we're going to do that in a major way this week in the program with perhaps a dial back to one of the most famous games ever played in college basketball history and it just happened to be at the Big East tournament at MSG in 2009. Kevin I know you were there for it
2: I was until you tell me what it ended John you were calling it I I, I was just a spectator <laughs> I was finished with my writing duties well at a normal time you know 11 30 11 45 and I think we wrapped up at. After one thirty it? It was after one thirty. Yeah. That and, is correct. You know, John, we've been blessed in the show this year to have an awful lot of great players uh who played in the Big East tournament over the years. But if we if you ask a common fan what one game do they remember in the history of the Big East tournament, this has got to be it.
1: I think so. Six overtimes, Syracuse, Connecticut, two thousand nine. And coming up on the program, Eric Divendorf, who hit the shot that almost didn't get us to the six overtimes for Syracuse and former Connecticut coach Jim Calhoun who's now of course analyzing games for ESPN they're going to join us to look back on that big game in 2009 we're going to share a question with you as well that we received via Twitter earlier this week later in the show but in the meantime I know you have your questions so follow us on Twitter at JR Broadcaster and at Kevin McNamara 33 tweet those questions to us using the hashtag TWITBE twit me for this week in the Big East well what do you do when one of your best players, who also happens to be one of the best in the country at his position, goes down for the count all of a sudden? And how do you rally the rest of your team in a depressing moment like that? Well, the Big East Spotlight shines on a head coach that has had to do just that this season, and his team is responding. Creighton's Greg McDermott joins us next, this week in the Big East. Coming up this week in the Big East Spotlight.
2: Why earn your degree from Creighton University? Chances are, you want to do more than get a paycheck. Here, you'll learn how to make a real difference in the world, have the resources to start a career you're passionate about, make great strides in research that's changing lives. You'll be able to do more, build more, succeed more. That's why you'd come to Creighton. You're more than just a student. This is more than just an education. Go to bemore.crayton.edu. Big East Spotlight.
0: And ladies and gentlemen, the reports of the demise of the Creighton Blue Jays have been greatly exaggerated. (laughs) The Creighton Blue Jays are going to come on the road to Hickle Fieldhouse and defeat Butler. Final score, 76-67. to Jays win. Jays win. Jays win.
1: So Creighton looked very much the part of a Big East contender, even a national contender earlier this season, with Maurice Watson running the show as quickly and effortlessly as anyone in the country. And then came January 16th. That's a tough day for Blue Jays everywhere, and an even tougher day for the senior guard who tore his ACL during a team win over Xavier, and thus he had to say goodbye to his collegiate career. But the season for Creighton, (laughs) far from over. Head coach Greg McDermott joins us this week of the Big East. Greg, what's... The retooling and the reconfiguring been like for you guys easier or harder than you might have imagined?
3: Oh, it's it's been a challenge. I don't think there's any question. I think uh, you know any time when you're you know two thirds of the way through your season and and you have a major blow to your team like we've had, uh, it, it makes things difficult. And 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 he was probably the one guy that we could ill afford to lose uh, simply because you know he he played whenever he was able to play. So you know our backup situation there. Probably wasn't as strong because we left him on the floor uh, as long as we possibly could, and we had some competitive games in the in the non-conference where we needed him. So, uh, But, you know, we're, we're moving the right direction. Uh, Davion Mintz has improving every game. Uh, Isaiah Zierden given us some good minutes there. Uh, Tyler Clement comes off the bench and helps us there as well. So, uh, you know, our guys have stayed focused. They've continued to work hard and, uh, you know, just trying to get to the finish line and be playing our best basketball here in a couple of weeks.
2: Uh, Greg, the, the one guy who you can s- clearly see is trying to step up and trying to do more for your team is Marcus Foster, and I would imagine you would agree that he's the one who's capable of doing so. Uh, <laughs> obviously, he's had a good year, but he probably needs to raise it even another notch down the stretch here.
3: Well, what has happened uh, in Maurice's absence is, you know, he, he was he was the primary ball handler, primary decision maker for our team, and. And both Marcus and Kyrie Thomas were, were secondary in that regard, and now they've become primary. You know they, they are guys that are going to have the ball, ball in their hands, they're going to have to make decisions, they're going to have to facilitate, and they have to score for us uh, because besides losing all the assists, Maurice was scoring 13, 14 points a game. So um, you know, those two guys, I, I couldn't be happier with what they've done. Uh, they've elevated uh, their role uh, as leaders of this team. Uh, in, in Maurice's absence. And, uh, you know, they're doing a good job distributing the basketball and trying to make plays for their teammates. And, and we're asking a lot out of them. I understand that. And uh, now we're just, you know, trying, to, trying our best to put them in positions where they can be successful.
1: Coach, while we've seen Marcus Foster's ability, looks like it certainly could uh, someday uh, progress to the next level. I-, I wanted to ask you specifically about Kyrie Thomas, as you just mentioned him. Here's a young man that doesn't really seem to have a definitive role, yet he seems to play several roles exceedingly well. What would you like to see Kyrie Thomas really become for Creighton?
3: Well, I would just like him to stay on the path of improvement that he has. You know, He's made so much progress uh, from a year ago. Uh, shooting the basketball, handing the, handling the basketball, his ability to finish at the rim, uh, and then defensively, you know, he, he's always had the ability to defend. I'm not sure he had the confidence a year ago that he's shown this year. Uh, you know, we put him on everybody's best player, and sometimes it's a point guard. And in last night's case, it was it was Bullock trying to slow him down, and Kyrie's answered the bell virtually every time. So. You know, I just want him to continue to, to improve and work on the game. Uh, he's, been a, he's, he's a zero-maintenance guy. He works hard. He shows up early. He stays late. Uh, he's a terrific teammate, and uh, you know, he's going to be huge for us, not just the rest of this year but moving forward.
2: Greg, continuing on your team here, obviously an awful lot of focus this year has been on Justin Patton. And, you know, I I was more impressed with him after the Providence loss, a a, a narrow loss at home, than than maybe after a great win. He, He really took that loss hard. This is a kid who shoots seventy percent from the field. Could lead, end up leading the country in field goal percentage, and boy, he missed a shot down the stretch, and and, and he took that you know on mm-hmm. himself really hard. Uh, what does that say about his character? We know his talent is NBA level. What what about his you know growth and character?
3: Well, Justin's a terrific young man, and you know the key that we all have to remember is he's young. He's nineteen years old, and this is his first time going through situations like this and uh he did take last night hard uh you know he had a couple looks around the basket you know one in particular the little left hand jump hook uh, that that could have put us up three points um uh, you know he he's going to make that shot you know 19 out of 20 times he just doesn't miss it and uh he's taking it he's taking it pretty hard and and our challenge today is to try to you know pick him up and and uh make sure he understands that uh you know he, if the situation is, is the same in the next game, we're going to try to get that same shot, and we're confident that he'll make it. But he's a terrific young guy. He's worked extremely hard. Nobody would have predicted uh, where he's at today based off where he was a year ago today. You know, His development has been off the charts, and uh, his work ethic and, and his desire to improve is a big reason why he's put himself in this position.
1: Creighton head coach Greg McDermott joining us this week in the Big East. Now that Patton's got the little taste and people have seen him and his reputation beginning to spread around the country, he's a finalist for the Kareem Abdul-Jabbar Award as well, so I'm sure that he's going to have people to start to talk in his ear about other things other than Creighton basketball. How do you handle that?
3: You know, I went through it with uh, with my son a few, you know, three or four years ago, so we've been there and we've done it, and, and certainly Justin can use Doug as a resource. Uh, as to how to handle this situation but you know we've kind of agreed and and Justin thinks it's best that we'll wait till the season's over we'll sit down and and, you know I'll get the evaluations from the NBA teams Uh, and then Justin will make a decision that's best for him and I'll support whatever he decides to do obviously I'd love to coach him again Uh, you know while he's got tremendous potential uh, he certainly has a lot of room for growth and I think you're going to see that growth uh, take place over the next two or three years whether another one of those years is spent in college. Uh, I'm not sure yet, Uh, but uh, it's our job to support them in any way we can.
2: Greg, uh, with uh, three games left, you have two really tough road games at Villanova at Marquette left, a home game with St. John's. Uh, You have nine wins. Uh, Certainly, you're an NCAA uh, tournament team. Where do you think your team is right now, and, and what do you need to improve on between now and Selection Sunday?
3: Well, we're just we're just really close, and, and I was texting Marcus Foster late last night just about you know we did so many great things yesterday, but you know we have four or five possessions defensively and offensively where we lose focus or or the efforts not quite where it needs to be, and in close games those come back those come back to get you, and you know we three of our five losses since we've lost Maurice uh, Xavier at home last night, uh, and then our game at Seton Hall they, they were anybody's game with two minutes left in the game and we have to find a way to put our guys in a better position to be successful and that's on us as coaches to try to move the pieces around and and get the basketball in a place where we can have more success offensively and get the right group out there defensively that can do the job but these guys have really hung together and uh really stuck together and uh you know the the basketball is moving well, and and uh, for the most part we're getting good shots. So we have to stay healthy. We got to make sure we're fresh uh, when when the Big East tournament comes around. But without question, this is a this is a huge week for us uh, as we wrap this up and head to New York City.
1: You kind of alluded to this just a couple of moments, Greg, but I'll, I'll ask you a two-prong question here. Number one, uh, are you surprised at all with the volatility within the Big East with teams being able to come up and, and do marvelous things sometimes to you? And you have to do marvelous things to other teams at the drop of a hat, number one. And number two, how do you try to prepare for that as crunch time arrives here in the season?
3: Well, the reality of it is this. I don't think, uh, I mean, as you look at the standings, I think Villanova's separated themselves at the top. Uh, DePaul, while they had a great win last night, their record hasn't been great. But you take the other eight teams, uh, certainly with our injury to Watson and Xavier's injury to Sumner, two of the top point guards in the league, that's going to have an impact. And it has had an impact on both of our programs. But it's really made those middle eight teams, you can throw us all in a hat and you can draw a name out and this team's going to beat that team tonight. You know, it, a lot of it doesn't make sense. Uh, so the, I think it's really, uh, there's, there's really some teams that are that are not that much different and uh home or away. I think they're going to be competitive games. <clears throat> and I really think that's what's going to make for a really interesting uh, Big East tournament, because I, 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 I think you could have, you know, on that first day of the Big East tournament, you could have, you know, five or six teams playing that are trying to get into the ncaa tournament and that's uh that's pretty cool stuff
1: creighton head coach craig McDermott, who's hot well it should be a good time of the year for hot hands we'll share some of those with you next this week in the big east
0: coming up who's hot this week in the big
1: east be a vip and experience select ncaa championships the best way possible with the ncaa experience packages for select championships including the ncaa men's basketball championship and men's final four can include game tickets pre-game vip hospitality access hotels and much more official ncaa experience ticket and hospitality packages are available now at ncaa.com slash vip secure your vip package
0: today to experience it live Who's hot? Bridges underneath, and it's taken away by Savage. Up
1: ahead to Martin. Martin one on one, around hard and in.
0: What a great pass, and another great defensive trip by the dogs, Mark Manner.
1: Back outside for Jackson. Now Cartwright for the win. Yes! yes! Cartwright for three! And a 10 out, Creighton! Holy moly! And the Friars lead it 68 66 with 2.2 on the clock! Brunson brings it forward, shuts up, doesn't matter!
0: 74 66! The Dogs do it again! A regular season sweep over Villanova, and the first time since 2013 that the
1: Wildcats have lost inside the pavilion. Welcome back to This Week in the Big East. I'm John Rook with Kevin McNamara. Kev, we know who the top players are in the Big East Conference for the most part, but at this time of the season, teams are always looking for a role player that can come in and provide a spark and maybe a little bit of extra depth that might help them win a game when they need one most, and we've got a bunch of teams that are all in that position right now. So I want to know, do you have a couple in mind maybe you've seen this season a little off the radar perhaps, but good enough to lead their teams to a big win?
2: I think all of them have have that key bench roll guy who comes in and really helps them win you know start at the very top with Villanova Eric Pascal everyone knew he was going to be an impact transfer from Fordham, he is an impact guy off the bench. He Oftentimes, he kind of carries the Wildcats in the front court with, right. it, with his rebounding and energy. He's an energetic role player. Uh, Butler is is it kind of has an interesting dynamic right now. Uh, Keelan Martin, for whatever reason, went from star to sixth man a month ago, and he's stayed there and is thriving. Came well, off the bench for 22 points at Villanova.
1: That was a role he thrived in last year as the sixth man of the year in the league.
2: Who knows why that, uh, you know, uh, Chris Holtman made that switch a month Ago, but it's certainly worked out well for the Bulldogs. It's awful interesting to bring a potential first team all league guy in off the bench and uh, ready to score. That's no great th- firepower, though, off of your bench, right? No question. And then look at Marquette, uh, John. You know, two really elite shot makers in Andrew Rousey and Reinhardt. You know, yep. th- those guys are killers. Yep. You know, you don't want them to have the ball in the last couple minutes of a ball game because they can make the threes like it's going out of style. Not
1: coincidentally, both are transfers, so they've been around the block once or twice. Rousey was at North Carolina uh Reinhardt was at USC last year and at UNLV before that. So these guys have experience to go with that ability to make big shots down the stretch.
2: I got another transfer for you, Isaiah Jackson at Providence uh, from uh, Mason. George Mason, right. And uh, he, he's the ultimate glue guy. I think you would look at Isaiah and say the best thing he does is defend. And yet now he's making shots, uh, had a really key assist uh, on the game-winning shot that uh, Kyron Cartwright hit to beat Creighton. He just kind of, he's a you know one of those utility guys. He does a little bit of everything. And then maybe the top freshman who comes in off the bench for Seton Hall, Miles Powell, a yeah. true shot maker, dangerous, dangerous offensive player.
1: Those are some good players right there. As far as the player of the week this week of the Big East, it was Dean Carrington. For the first time this season, he gets Big East player of the week after several trips to the honor roll. 31 and a half points in two games last week, including a Big East single game best 41 point performance in an 87-81 win over Creighton. Carrington scored his final 10 points in the last 41 seconds of that game, so he kind of gave another definition to the term carrying your team, I think, overall. Carrington can do that. Marquette's Marcus Howard wins the Freshman of the Week award for a second time this season. Howard connected for 34 points in an 84-61 win over Xavier. That included, by the way, a Big East record-tying nine made threes for a freshman in a single-league game. Howard leads the entire conference in three-point percentage in league games, shooting nearly 54% outside the arc.
2: Dangerous, dangerous uh, shooter. We we just mentioned Rousey and Reinhardt. Rousey, Reinhardt, uh, Howard. Marcus Howard. Uh, Hauser is, is, you know, can make some threes. There's a reason why Marquette is second in the nation in three-point shooting. Well, they're a very good offensive team, very explosive, especially at the Bradley Center.
1: On the Big East Honor Roll this week, some familiar names and some mainstays over the entire course of the season for the respective teams. Butler's Keelan Martin, we just talked about him, shot 50% from the floor, averaged 16.5 points and 8.5 rebounds for the Bulldogs. Creighton's Marcus Foster averaged 29 points, 5.5 boards, 5.5 assists for the week, including a personal high of 35 in a win over Georgetown. Providence's Rodney Bullock has led the Friars in scoring all season. He led the team with a 16.10 rebound double-double in a win over Xavier. He also had another double-double in the win over Creighton on Wednesday. Seton Hall's Angel Delgado, speaking of double-doubles, his 20th and 21st of the season in the past week. In two games, he averaged 18 points and 14.5 rebounds per game. And then Villanova's Jalen Brunson, ho-hum, 20 points, 7 assists he averaged. For the Wildcats in a perfect week. Well, as many are aware, we've We've talked talked about this again throughout the entire course of the season, but in just a couple of weeks, the Big East Tournament will reappear at the world's most famous arena in Madison Square Garden in New York for a 35th consecutive year. And periodically, we have turned our clocks to revisit some of these memorable moments along the way, with a few bigger than the record-setting six overtime game that happened in 2009 between Syracuse and UConn. Remember that one? Our Big East Focus this week looks back on that unforgettable game with an unforgettable character within. Former Syracuse guard Eric Dievendorf hit the shot that almost ended the struggle before it ever got started. Dievendorf joins us
0: next, this This week in in the Big East. East. Coming up next, the Big East Focus. When a drive for excellence combines with social justice, there is energy. When entrepreneurial spirit is unified with a passion for service, there is power. At Marquette University, when we bring people who hold these convictions together, they ignite. They become agile thinkers, fearless leaders, and willing servants. The force that acts for good no matter what. Ready to go forth and set the world on fire. Marquette University. Be the difference. Big East Focus. Habib did make contact with Flynn. It's an errant pass. Dievendorf with the buzzer. Oh, But if it stands, it's another Syracuse buzzer beater to beat Connecticut.
4: John Cal, Bob Donato, and James Breeding are the officials. And I think they're going to wave it off. They did. And the right call. You have to prepare
0: yourself now for overtime. It's going to be a tough one for Diebendorf and for Syracuse, but they've got to move on. Next
5: play right now.
1: Welcome back to This Week in the Big East. Part of what we're doing over the course of this program, and we've talked about it all season long, is lead up to the 35th anniversary of the tournament being played at the world's most famous arena, Madison Square Garden. And we all understand that in a uh, a different day and age, the conference was comprised differently, and one of the huge, I guess, benchwater marks, not only in Big East tournament history at the Garden, but maybe even in college basketball history, came back in 2009 when Syracuse played Connecticut, and they played Connecticut, and then they kept playing Connecticut. In fact, they went to six overtimes that day before, finally a one twenty seven, one seventeen, six overtime victory uh for the Orange. And Eric devendorf was a huge part of that game for the Syracuse Orange. He is currently an assistant strength coach at Syracuse University after playing overseas, most recently in New Zealand. He joins us this week in the Big East. Eric, I gotta ask you, how many times a week do you get asked about the six overtime game?
5: Oh man, countless. Just I mean, that's a game that's gonna be forever remembered, uh in this community. I mean, Obviously, college basketball, but, you know, especially in this community. So um, I get asked about it quite often.
2: Do you see, Do you still see those uh, T-shirts, those six overtime T-shirts that they sold in, in bunches in Syracuse?
5: Oh, yeah, definitely. They, I mean, they probably have five or six different ones, but I definitely still see fans coming to the game with them on and you know, walking around the city with them. So, uh, you know, the, the community here is, is definitely uh, tight-knit, and especially when it comes to basketball. I mean, the support is unbelievable.
1: Well, uh, you had the shot that actually got disallowed that could have given Syracuse the win in regulation. So I'm I'm kind of wondering uh even to this day when you look at that, do you think it was good?
5: Uh I mean, they made the right call. They made the right call, but you know, now that I look back at it, I'm happy that it didn't count because we wouldn't be you know talking about it right now. We wouldn't have had a six OT's. It would just have been a a regular game winning shot. Um, you know, so we ended up having six overtimes, and it worked out, and, and we're talking about it still to this
2: day. Eric, we've had people on our show all year, and we ask them about their favorite garden memories, and pretty much everyone goes back to that game. E- either they played, coached, or watched it. As you know, it didn't end until after one in the morning. Uh, what do you remember about <laughs> the post-game? I, I, how tired were you? How crazy was it to enjoy a victory in that, in that contest?
5: Well, I mean, you know what? I don't think I was actually with uh, my roommate Arente Anawasa, who he was our center. We after the game, we went to a diner and, and got something to eat. It probably had to be around you know two thirty, three o'clock. But uh, we were still going, man. You know, <laughs> we didn't really understand, you know, the significance of the six overtime game. I mean, it was an instant ESPN classic. so we watched it when we went back to the hotel. But uh, you know, we were still going. And then the next day, you know, we played we played an overtime game against the Western. Team, so. Uh, we had to turn around and, and do it again.
1: Pretty amazing stretch run. What does that do to you as an athlete? I mean, you have to hydrate. You have to get off your feet. You hear some of the, the cliches and all. But what was it like really going through that process, and did those cliches live up to what you guys always talk about?
5: Well, I mean, we take care of our body. That's You know, that's what we do in the preseason. That's what we condition ourselves to, to be prepared for. I know right after the game we we all got to ice bath and, and make sure we got, got the legs ready for the next night a lot of stretches. So, you know, we're prepared for that situation. I think, you know, more so it, it's mentally. It could be mentally draining. Um, you know, our bodies are prepared for it. You know, we're, we're top-notch athletes. So, um, you know, if anything, it was mental.
2: Syracuse has always been the the second home court has always been Madison Square Garden for the Orange. Uh, that was obviously your career highlight at the Garden. But what was playing Big East games at the Garden all about for uh, for yourself?
5: Uh, I mean, it was, it's the best place to play in the world. I mean, you know, the lights are on. You know, it, it, it's big time. It's ESPN. Um, you know, you talk about Syracuse, Connecticut, but any time we went in there and played, you know, whether it was St. John's or or, or for, like, the Dupe Classic or, or something like that, um, it was just, you know, a, a, a thankful and, and, and grateful experience to be able to play there uh, at the Garden. And, you know, even going back there this year when we when we played against Connecticut, uh, it was still surreal. So, you know, just thankful that and, and, uh, we got the opportunity to be able to play there for you know so many games.
1: Now, being someone as you are born outside of the, the Northeast region, I believe you were born you were born in Michigan, correct? Yeah, correct. So, so coming from Michigan like that and attending high school, originally on the East Coast and in, in Virginia, how did New York get to be so mythic to you? Was it through the players that you watched? Was it through watching the games on television? How did playing at Madison Square Garden become so special for you in particular?
5: Well, I guess you could say the history definitely, you know, besides basketball, it's been so many things that went on in there. You know, Muhammad Ali or, you know, Michael Jackson, Madonna, just, you know, all the people that, you know, performed in there besides basketball. And then, you know, not to mention, you know, New York Knicks and all the history they have, you know, world championships and whatnot. You know, being able to, you know, growing up in a small town in Michigan, being able to come and play in the garden you know, and hear all about the legends and then get out there and, and be able to compete on the same floor uh, is, is definitely a blessing for
2: sure. Now you mentioned Connecticut. Uh, Connecticut is a longtime rival of the Q's, and you did hook up again this year. Uh, I'm curious: do the people at Connecticut say, "Ooh, that Divendorf—he <laughs> he beat us in that six overtime game." Do you cross, <laughs> do you cross paths with any UConn people?
5: Oh, you know what? I don't think anyone's really—they would come up and really say it's in my face. But I mean, I'm sure it's you know it's on the comment boards or. Yeah, yeah. I mean, people still don't like me, you know. Obviously, from the rival, it's a lot of people out there who, who has a certain type of feelings. But you know, it's all competitive nature, and, and I think if you know you knew me off the court, we interacted. It'd be a, you know, it'd be a different type of uh, of exchange.
1: So you still don't mind being the bad guy, then, right?
5: I don't mind it on the court. I don't mind at all.
1: <laughs> I like that. What other Big East memories do you have that stick with you to this day?
5: So, you know, just all the uh, you know the my freshman year. Uh, in the Garden, where Jerry McNamara had his, you know, four-game stretch. Um, you know, we won four games in four days. So the first team to do that, I think it was, in, in biggest history. Um, you know, just all the times in the Garden and, and playing against all the top players, all the guys who we went on and played in the NBA: Kemba Walker, uh, Rudy Gay, Marcus Williams, Josh, Poole, all the Connecticut guys. So just grateful to be able to play there, and then, and, and, you know, let alone play against all those great players.
1: Eric, we really appreciate the time. We appreciate the memories most of all. Continued success to you in your career at Syracuse or wherever you may end up. And thanks for sharing a few of them with us today.
5: I appreciate you guys having me on.
1: The National Perspective is next, plus a look at the other bench in that monumental six-overtime game between Syracuse and Connecticut as former UConn coach, National College Hoop analyst, and Basketball Hall of Famer Jim Calhoun joins us next, this week in the Big East. Coming up next, the
0: National Perspective
2: the providence college experience rooted in academic excellence shared values and an uncommon sense of community is both unique and exceptional a premier catholic liberal arts college pc has 3900 undergraduate students a dynamic engaged community and a great location just minutes from downtown providence with pride in its heritage providence college looks forward to a bright future learn more at (laughs) providence.edu
0: national perspective 27.3 to go walker
2: will bring it up with price adrian Fabien, and of one time out for the huskies if they need it two to tie three for the lead 15 seconds to go austri
0: dribbling austri heaves one up the beat snatches and lost it walker all along to lay it in 1.1 to go timeout circuit oh! does it get any better
1: John Rook with Kevin McNamara this week in the Big East and is part of celebrating 35 years of the Big East tournament at Madison Square Garden. We've been talking about memorable garden moments along the way. Few as memorable as that record setting six overtime performance from Syracuse and Connecticut in 2009. And former UConn coach and basketball Hall of Famer Jim Calhoun was right there watching it unfold in front of him and his team, and he joins us this week in the Big East. Coach, now that a little time at least has passed from that game, I'm wondering what you might remember most about the immediate aftermath and during the post game in particular with your players, as deflating a moment as that might have been for you guys?
4: Well, was really shocking in many ways. I mean, because it it just kept going. And, and then we, with the team, and I've talked with Jim Beheim about this since, that had the opportunities. You know, I think four of the five first, fourth, uh, going regulation, we had some great opportunities to win that game. Missed a foul shot, something happened, whatever the case may be, because they had won right at the end, and I thought where well, the basket was good, no overtime. All the different things that happened that game. It's just like, and then all of a sudden the door shut, and it was over, and our uh, chance to get another Big East championship was gone, and, you know, who knows at that time. The good news is we went on to the Final Four that year, so we, we kept on playing pretty well, and that was a good team. But that was a, an amazing experience. I've met at least two million people who were at the game. <laughs> you know, I never knew that Madison Square Garden held over two million people.
2: And we never knew that Madison Square Garden would stay open until one forty-five in the morning either, Coach. Well, uh, yeah, a little surprised well, the union the didn't unions, shut us down. I think someone talked to the unions. <laughs> <laughs> well, Jim, what did you do? After, what did you personally do after that game? Do you remember? Did you go out to eat? Were you out till three in the morning? Four in the morning? Yeah, probably
4: something like that. I, you know, by the time I got, you know, everybody wanted to talk about it. I mean, it played out in so many ways. What do you want to talk? about? but I mean, this was, this was not a game. It was an epic, an epic in the sense that it's an odyssey, and it kept going and going and going, and you could think of a hundred plays, a hundred different things that happened, uh, but afterwards, you know, losing a little bit, it left a blank feeling. The way we competed, some of the kids who hadn't played much, who got in the game, uh, proud of them. Uh, respect, obviously, for the way Syracuse, with its program, fought us, and we fought them, and you know, mixed feelings. I, I really have to say that even all these years, and it's not my number one game because my number one thing always has been trying to get that, uh, more points in you. We sure. uh, sure. got a few less than they did that game at the end, but no, I, I just think a funny game. It's amazing how many people, it's, it's, they saw it otherwise. I have all kinds of stories about just going to go to sleep and you know, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, it was, it was an amazing game. And, uh, you know, I was glad it was against Syracuse. We played Syracuse, uh, during my tenure, 58 times and. Uh, the record is somewhere around 29, 27, whatever, 27. Uh, the only reason I told you that is that we had the 29, they had the 27, <laughs> but <laughs> much more importantly, no, I mean, they were they ended up being our biggest rival. We had rival, uh with BC, but we were fairly dominant. We had a really good rivalry against Providence because of just the proximity, I think, but sure. uh, it, it was special. There's no question about it. And, and you know what? To me... It symbolized the incredible league that God rest his soul, and the incredible genius that Dave Gabbett was, of having this league not only be incredible from the beginning, but in its in, in 34 years and 35 years, uh, it was an amazing thing to me that in 2011 we still were able to win a national championship. Not saying that for any other reason, but that the league sustained. Dave's idea wasn't just a... You know, this is good put some teams together. Dave's idea was
2: special. Jim, you know, you did win six Big East tournaments, uh, and certainly Connecticut had a very special, and Connecticut fans, a very special bond with the Big East tournament and Madison Square Garden. Can you go back to maybe 96? Again, if we had to pick most memorable Big East tournament games, we're talking about one, but another was... Ray Allen shot in 96 uh, with a great duel with Allen Iverson. Obviously, I'm sure... Yeah, the was...
4: Allen versus Allen. Yeah, You know, that was really special, and I think it was when, you know, two kids, actually, two freshmen came up in the second half. Uh, Ricky Moore, now assistant coach, versus Kurt King, who now went back to Louisiana working there, doing great. And, but they came great in the second half, and then the shot by Ray, and that actually was the play designed by the genius coach of UConn <laughs> to get the ball on a weak side. Uh, we tried to make a, a screen slip. And we got Rudy Johnson to slip. And when Ray went up to pass the ball, Rudy wasn't looking. And so Ray was coming down, and and John said he touched the floor. The referees didn't say that, so obviously he didn't. And the ball went into the hole. And, uh, mm. and then, by the way, we almost gave up a layup at the other end. But it was an incredible game. And that night, like many nights at Madison Square Garden, the uh, excitement in that building, and Kevin, and I'm sure you too, John, but you knew it. You felt it. You, you just... Uh, the, I personally believe, and I always have prejudiced to this, you'll never see anything like in basketball the Big East. In the Big East tournament, uh, you know, there are many coaches who will tell you when they, when they went to divisions and some schools didn't go to New York, their fans are really upset. I mean, a special, special time, and that was a very special game.
1: Jim Calhoun joining us this week in the Big East. Outside of your UConn memories, is there anything else from another team or another school, another coach, another player, but anything else that stands out in your mind after you know being there for as many years as you were over the last thirty five years?
4: well you know I, I look at Madison Square Garden and the Big east kind of in the same we we won in an i t there we played uh, a lot of different games I was fortunate enough to coach I think almost eight i think eighty one games there right so except for maybe louis Kan <laughs> right many people, you know that coached there and and so all the different teams that came in there and all the different excitements and you know, the one thing they say, dreams can be made at Madison Square Garden for a player. And we used to say that to our team. And I can tell you, there's been an awful lot of dreams. I mean, Having, uh, uh, when uh, when certain guys were hurt, other guys stepping up and just playing fabulous for us, uh, watching other kids, you know, write uh, a sonnet, really, in the three day run. Amazing.
2: Jim, <laughs> Excuse me. Jim, I'm curious if you ever come across Eric Devendorf, who we had earlier on the show. and he made the shot that almost ended the game, but, you know, he, he was one of many. There were a lot of guys who almost ended that ball game. H- have you seen Eric since?
4: You know, it's funny. I saw Eric, uh, I think it was about a year ago, and uh, I was up at Syracuse doing something for Jim Beheim as a golf tournament, and uh, I, I don't think Eric was playing golf. I don't think Eric, Eric didn't ever pitch me as a golfer, you know. I don't know what <laughs> I
5: don't
4: know what that means. I just thought I'd say it, but, but he was a tough, tough kid and a good player, and, you know, they, they seem to have a whole bunch of those kind of guys. and uh, It's amazing how many kids, though, play as Alonzo. I mean, I, mean, I, I meet people in different places, a lot of former players in the Big East, and we kind of share memories a little bit. You, hey, Coach, you remember? And, and, and you know, Kev, particularly, you know, the league was different then. Sure. You know, I always used to say that, that, that now we have, at times, I don't know what a foul is sometimes, what a foul isn't. I do, in those days, it's very easy. If they mm. drew blood might be a foul. It <laughs> might be a foul.
0: Might. I mean, I, we had some
4: games with Providence <laughs> down, the, down, down the old, now it's the dunk, but the old Civic Center. I mean, it, it was incredible, and, and the league was <clears throat> incredibly competitive. And, and, and so many people are attached to it. I mean, you know, we have families. I mean, who went down there for 30 straight years. Mm. We have groups of high school coaches. It's amazing the people. Uh, you know, they, it's still great. I got an opportunity to to be there uh, to help salute the Big East uh, last year. But, but but I can just tell you, that era, um, in my opinion, and the Big East actually is a very good conference this year, led by Villanova, who happened to lose last night. But more importantly, more importantly it's a special time for basketball, and as a guy who loved that, this game, uh, it, it really was symbolic of great players. You'll never put that many great players' personalities together, I think, in, in, into a place. And then you have New York to kind of stir over the right. whole thing up.
1: Sure, Coach, we'd be remiss in your current role as an analyst for ESPN, and we didn't ask you what your current thoughts are on the league and in college basketball in general, and, and where the Big East kind of fits into the the national scope of things.
4: Well, I, I, I you know, I think obviously the Big East, I think, surprised to some people, but but not to me because you have very good coaches, you have committed programs. Clearly, I think Jay has done as good a job as you know he's one of the he'll be a, one of those guys in the Big East. That's, how did sometimes accumulate a lot of championships, but, but he's starting to do that. And I, I'm talking about Big East championships. And The league is good. I mean, you know, I've seen Butler. I've seen Craig. Some of those teams are a little bit injured right now. But, but they're a good league. And the team actually has surprised me a little bit. He's done a really good job. It's Providence. Providence is a better team than people realize. And you know, give, give credit to Ed Cooley. I mean, you know uh, – I mean, they're a much better basketball team. You you would want to play them, I guess. That's the best way to say it.
1: Jim Calhoun, UConn coach and basketball Hall of Famer. Who's got next? One more full week of play in the regular season before we can move on to the postseason, and we'll run it down for you next.
0: This week in the Big East. Coming up, who's got next? This week in the Big East. To walk these classrooms, these fields, these courts, is to walk in the footsteps of legends. Villanovas who have built a legacy of success both in and out of the classroom bound by tradition humility and our commitment to each other we are stronger together we are fearless relentlessly pushing ourselves to victory we believe in nova nation and give ourselves to it totally even when no one is looking we are villanova and each of us strengthens all of us who's got next Marquette inbounds, trailing 14 11. Quick three by Reinhardt. He's a up. catch
1: and shoot guy. And Homer. did he catch and shoot? He sure did. That he did. John Rook, Kevin McNamara with you this week in the Big East. And Saturday signals the next to last Saturday of play in the regular season. And the movement from top to bottom, with the exception of the very top and the very bottom, still very much in flux. Creighton plays at Villanova in a 3 p.m. Saturday tip at the top of the standings and in the ever muddied middle. Marquette plays at Providence in a game that could clear the picture up a bit, where, Kevin, you could cloud it that much further.
2: Both games offer a lot. Obviously, Villanova looking to avoid a two-game losing streak and, more importantly, clinch the regular season title. Uh, you would think that uh, the Wildcats will be ready to go with uh, yet another home game uh, against the Blue Jays, who... They don't want to lose two in a row. No one wants to lose two in a row this time. Not of year, at this John. stage of year. That is correct. But the
1: schedule plays out to where it's pretty tough for some of these contenders.
2: It is, and you know Marquette is an interesting you know situation that they have three really tough games down the stretch at Providence being uh, you know right up off the top on Saturday, and right. the Friars have been very good at home of late. Certainly have. Butler also plays at Xavier on Sunday, so the
1: Bulldogs go right back at it. That might be the biggest game of the year, though, for a musketeer team that's uh, reeling a bit
2: of late. You know, they've lost four in a row, but they have an excuse. You know, Trevon Blewett was out. He returned for the Seton Hall game, played pretty well, but obviously had been off his feet for a while. Uh, Xavier has a four-game losing streak. They have two really difficult home games. They need to stop the streak right now. They have Butler and then Marquette. Well, next week, you want big games with
1: postseason implications? How about Georgetown at Seton Hall on Tuesday? Marquette at Xavier Wednesday.
2: Seton Hall needs to protect this home court. The Hoyas have been in a tough way here of late. Uh, nothing would shock me in the Big East. It wouldn't shock me at all if Georgetown can turn around and, and win a couple key games well, they heading have, to New York.
1: They have the size inside to be able to combat with Angel Delgado.
2: Excellent point. You know, if there's one team that, that can bump and grind – with Delgado, it's certainly the Hoyas. That's absolutely
1: true. Marquette at Xavier. You already talked about the Golden Eagles' tough run down the end, uh, and Xavier's
2: got to win at home. They've got to snap that streak somehow. They do, and you know Xavier is certainly one of the better home court teams in the country. Uh, I think more importantly, John, you know they they need a win. They need to stop the streak, and then they need to mentally get ready for the postseason. That they will be in the NCAA tournament. I think it'll be really interesting to see where they get seated, because their record since Ed, Edmund Sumner's injury is not as good as it was beforehand right. very true. uh although their rpi is still high m- my guess is they they need to show the committee something down the stretch
1: our twitter question hashtag twitbe comes from a rook two hmm, who says what will it take for marquette to avoid going to dayton in the ncaa tournament two and one in the last three plus one in the big east tournament
2: i i think Steve Wojo would like to just beat Providence and move on. I mean, very <laughs> difficult stretch at Providence at Xavier Creighton at home. They have eight Big East wins right now. I think they need to get to nine and nine uh, and feel good about things. But they could they could finish with eight, nine, or ten Big East wins. It's that diff- that difficult to schedule down the stretch. And if they go zero and three down the stretch, uh, a rook is going to have a very nervous selection Sunday. He'll have a conniption is what he'll have. (laughs) Selection Sunday, he better not eat much before 6 (laughs) o'clock.
1: I would guess so. Our thanks to Creighton head coach Greg McDermott, former Syracuse guard Eric Devendorf and ESPN College Hoop analyst, former UConn coach and basketball Hall of Famer Jim Calhoun for joining us. Thanks also go out to the flagship stations at Butler, Marquette, Seton Hall, and Providence for their assistance. Thanks to producer Kevin Collins as always, and to the coaches and administrators at all 10 Big East member institutions. For Kevin McNamara, I'm John Rook. Don't forget to tweet us those questions. Use that hashtag, T-W-I-T-B-E, tweet me. And hey, when you download the podcast, if you like what you hear, leave us a review on iTunes, won't you? We'll be back same time next week, This Week in the Big East. Thanks for listening to This
0: Week in the Big East. Special thanks to our member schools, Butler, Creighton, DePaul, Georgetown, Marquette, Providence, St. John's, Seton Hall, Villanova and Xavier, as well as their athletic departments. This Week in the Big East is produced by Kevin Collins. The executive producers are John Paquette and Rick Gentile. Be sure to join us next week for the latest edition of This Week in the Big East.